Hello to everybody who's had a hose as a breaking point. It's Beautiful Anonymous. One hour, one phone call. No names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you and you'll get to know me. Hi everybody, Chris Gethard here. Welcome to Beautiful Anonymous. Thanks so much for listening to the show. A show where one human being at at a time gets to just put their stuff on record. That's what it comes down to. Just every human being on earth who wants a chance, has a chance to call in and just say what their deal is, and that's the show. Man, am I lucky to do the show. Man, am I lucky that I get to tour around and do the show live sometimes. I've been out there doing live shows and stand-up. Uh, last weekend, I was home with the family. This weekend, December 17th, I will be in Lakewood, Ohio, part of the greater Cleveland area. And on the 18th, I'll be in Columbus, Ohio at Woodlands Tavern. And then December 26th, Jersey, my uh, other podcast, New Jersey is the World. We're doing a live show in Asbury Park the night after Christmas. So that and a bunch of other dates coming up next year in Florida and California and Connecticut, Massachusetts, Michigan. Seattle and Portland. Those are all at chrisgeth.com. And uh, maybe if you're in Ohio, I know the ticket sales have been good in Ohio, which is cool. So grab one if you want one. Anyway, I'll stop plugging stuff because, man, do we have an episode coming up. Buckle up, everybody. This one, we recorded it a while ago, and it's one of those ones. Sometimes people ask me if it's ever hard to do the show when the show gets intense. And I say, you know, sometimes I will talk to people and the calls are intense. And then until we release them, they kind of sit in my gut. And then when we release them, it's shared with everybody. I'm so glad we're releasing this one because this caller's so charming. Caller and I had such a good vibe, but wow, the caller's been through a lot. Um, the caller was married very, very young. And it wound up being a situation that sounded intense and scary in a lot of ways. And it sounds like she was in a situation that I think any of us would agree was one where there was manipulation and cultural standards of religion used to justify some stuff where you, you're all going to listen to it and just go, whoa. And obviously this has affected the caller and who she is now, who she is as a parent. And some, there's some intense stories there about that. Uh, and there's also some stories about pooping your pants. Anyway, it all, right, real life, it all comes together. But this call, you want to talk about love and marriage and religion and youth and escape and things that we deal with in life. This one has them all. Everyone needs to brace yourselves. There's um, talk in here of things like brainwashing. There's talk in here of real abusive behavior, uh, certainly emotional and, and, and sort of dropped incidentally in a way where you go, oh my God, that, that just makes it feel so much realer and more concerning of spousal rape. So this is no, this is no joke. This is a heavy one and a confusing one and, and people are going to have opinions on this one. Leave them in the Facebook group. Maybe I'll see you in Ohio soon. Enjoy this call. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello. Hi. Hi. Christopher Gatzard, how are you? I'm good. How are you? You know, I am doing great uh, today. I, yeah, I'm really excited to be talking to you. And, um... Yeah, for the record, I'm not nervous to talk to you. I'm just like nervous in general about like talking about shit. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all ears. Okay. Oh, God. It's like I've been like writing down notes. Like, if I ever get through, here's all the things I want to talk about. And now I feel like my brain just goes blank. Um, okay. It could go any, it could go any way. I have so many crazy things. The biggest thing I do want to talk about is, um, I don't know, should we like chit-chat first? Like, maybe like if we chit-chat first, then I'll like stop being nervous. 
That what's, the, good. what's the cutest thing your son did today? Uh, the cutest thing my son did today. Let's see, because he does cute things every day. Um, let's see, as far as today goes. Yesterday. Well, he spent a lot of time today refusing to wear pants. He just wanted to go uh, shirt and diaper, and I like it, mm-hmm. and, and I respect it as a choice. That's what I would say. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. When my daughter was little, um, she would not wear anything except for Disney princess dresses, like when she was like two and three. And otherwise she would just take her clothes off. Like doesn't matter if we're in public anywhere. She would just like strip naked if she could, unless it was a princess dress. So it either had to be something buttoned up the back because she could figure out the zipper or a princess dress. And that was our life for a couple of years. <laughs> God bless them when they can get away with it. My son is also really into flip flops and he only wants to wear flip flops. And I've never been a flip flop guy. And I'm sitting here going, man, am I raising a little hippie? Am I a punk rocker raising a little hippie? That's weird. That's kind of cool. Wants to be naked and wear flip-flops all the time? Okay. I mean, it seems like everything I've heard you say, you're pretty open to like accepting your son no matter what choices he makes. And if he chooses to be a hippie, it seems like you're the perfect parent to support that choice. Well, I'm a very open person. And I like to think throughout my years, I've learned to you know want to learn about people, except for filthy hippies. No. It's okay. <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe that's your lesson in this life is to be more accepting of filthy hippies. Indeed. Maybe that's what he'll teach me. Maybe that's what he'll teach yes. me. And I should also say, I just want to be full disclosure. Sure. You and I don't know each other, but I do immediately recognize your voice. You you have called another project of mine, but I don't, it, this does not break anonymity because I've only ever known you under an alias. And I don't really know you, but anybody who's watched that project oh might be listening going, this is fake. These people know each other. I will say. That is so true. I was wondering how long it would take before I was like, because people tell me I have a fairly recognizable voice. And I was like, I wonder how long it's going to take for him to recognize my voice. And it seems like you knew right away. Oh, Anita can vouch for me that you had not finished your first sentence before I was messaging her. I know, I know this. I know who this person is. So yes, just so everybody knows, yes, this is someone who I've talked to on another one of my. I I I think probably more than I probably have more call in based projects than any other entertainer going right now. And you have called another one of those, but that's uh, it's about true. it. That's about it. Yeah, it's true. We've never met in person, um, and and actually, I found you through this podcast, and that's how I found your other projects. Oh, nice. And so uh, this is really exciting because, you know, a lot of your other projects, they, they're kooky and fun. And and uh, this one's very real, you know, so it's... Yeah. Let's keep it, it real. Uh, yeah. So I like that. And yeah. Okay, cool. Good. That makes me a little less nervous because it's not like, oh, God, now I have to pretend like he doesn't recognize my voice. No, that would be insane behavior. That would be insane <laughs> behavior for me to pretend. Whoa, chaotic. I can't even if I heard your voice and didn't place it, anyone listening right now, we're five minutes in, would go if Gethard, Gethard is either a liar or has something happening in his brain if he can't place this voice because this voice is quite distinct. Well, thank you. And actually that um I recently learned there's something like you know the 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 thing where you can't recognize faces? Like people can't recognize faces. It's a, I forget there was something like nausea. Well, they have that for voices. And I didn't realize it until recently. Like, I think I have that. It's a phonoagnosia or something where it's like very hard to place like voices. So okay. it's like a new research thing. And it's, anyway, that's the whole side thing. But yeah. Okay. 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 Well, I think we're on the same page. Uh, I think we're warmed up. Yeah. I think we're warmed up. This is good. Um, Okay, so uh, I want to talk about uh, something called parental alienation syndrome. Have, I don't know if you've heard of this or maybe some of your listeners have. It's um, a thing that uh, happens more often than, than not like during divorces and, you know, contentious separations and stuff with parents where, like, one parent, like, badmouths the other to the point where the kids no longer want to be with their other parent. Um, And that's something that I have experienced after my divorce. And I didn't even know about it until like this past year. Um, 
so okay that, that this is like a three-part like story but like the other part is my ex-husband as a pastor and that's a whole fucking thing like that's a whole fucking thing well we should probably start there and then uh the other part is like dealing with the court system when it comes to like protecting my fucking kids and how fucking hard it is to navigate the church navigate the courts and you're going up against the church like it's a mess and i want to tear this fucking fucking thing to the ground that's what i'm going to talk about <laughs> okay yes that laugh at the end was clearly masking a lot of rage or yeah little giggle yes. at the end of a lot of rage also more f words in that minute oh. than many calls have their entirety but i can see why you're mad i get why you're pissed and i see why you're yeah. dropping because that sounds really really hard when you put it like that you know to um I have to, you know, you imagine any, anybody who winds up in a situation where custody of kids is being determined by courts. That's a, that's, that's a tense situation and often a nasty situation. But you say you feel like you wound up going up against not just your ex, but against the entire church. Yeah, pretty much. And I, I mean, like, in a way, I kind of still am. But I'm, I don't know, I'm trying to, like, keep keep my cool, get through... So my son is 20 years old now. My daughter is 16. Uh, so I've got two years left, you know, dealing with the whole custody thing. And I'm just trying to make it the best, most peaceful two years ever. But it's very difficult. Um, I don't know, Chris, where should, where should I start with this one? Because well, it, it goes so deep and I don't, I don't know. Talk to me about... I guess just first, just logistics, math-wise, how long mm -hmm. ago did you separate from your ex? Okay, so we've been divorced since 2012. Like, that's when it was final. We separated in towards the end of 2010, beginning of 2011. So it's been a good, a good decade. So your son was uh, 11 we and your daughter was 7. Uh, I feel like they were like nine and five when we separated. So that would have, okay. So it was about 2010, end of 2010, beginning of 2011 when we separated. Now we married in 2000, in 2000. I was 16. He had just turned 18. 16, and, um, you got married. Yeah. 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 Wow. Cause I mean, if, I mean, God, I got pregnant, you know, um, and his dad was a pastor at the time of the same church he's now a pastor of. Um, and so it was, I don't know, it was one of those things where, I mean, I, I was really an asshole to my mom. I'm not going to lie. Like I was really off. I was horrible to her. And so when she, I mean, she said, you want to be a mom, go get out, like, bam, go. Um, and so that was like part of why getting married was like a better option because like his dad wouldn't allow us to live together unless, we were married, which is so silly because I was already pregnant. And I'm probably going to say the F word a lot. And well, I feel obligated it. to apologize to Sally. Oh, it's fine. It's <laughs> Don't fine. listen to this one, Sally. <laughs> it's fine. She, she okay. has probably turned it off after the third F bomb already. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Good. 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 Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, but at the same time, it's like we were young. It was my first boyfriend and I hardly, really knew him. I only met him like three months before I got pregnant, you know? And so, you know, I thought I was in love and all that stuff. And, you know, at the time, you know, I'm 15, 16 years old. I believed I was in love, you know, but looking back, I see it was more of like a coercive control situation. Like these are words I didn't even know. I didn't know about gaslighting, you know, I didn't know about, you know, people taking advantage of you like that, you know? And so yeah. I look at like, was I really in love? Or well, no, I feel like I was, I was duped. Sometimes I think that, but that's okay. So, um, so this kid, his dad's the pastor. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think I think people listening can guess from your accent that you're. I mean, it's clear you grew up in the South. Yes. So does this mean that? Like, is this kid, is there like, I'm trying to gauge like, so is the pastor like a rock star in this like community? Like, is this like a, like an alpha personality? Does this extend to the kid? Is this kid like, uh, 
hot shot because his dad's a pastor or does it? Um, it's so interesting. Okay. So it's one, it's not like a traditional church. It's like a non-denominational, very zealous, like raise your hands and speak in tongues. And you know, it's like one of those churches, not necessarily to the point of like falling on the floor, but like super close to like that kind of flame in the Holy spirit kind of church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so it's very interesting this whole church culture, because if you're the pastor's kid, you are basically like a little mini celebrity within the church and they call themselves PKs. And it's like this sense of pride, like we're PKs, pastor's kids. And it's just, it's super weird. And it's, yeah, it is like being a little mini celebrity within the church. And, um, this church, it's not like a mega church, but it's definitely, you know, a couple hundred, maybe at most 500 people, you know, so not huge, but not small. So there's this little, very devoted community, um, yeah. very, very into what they're doing. I imagine this makes it very insular. And you're dating this kid who, within the context of that world, is uh, is like a chosen one. And you, meanwhile, you're 15. So I imagine that's very impressive. And I can see how you get yes. in over your head it very was. quickly. So quickly. And like... So I was raised Catholic. Um, in fact, here's a fun side note. My dad was a Christian brother and my mom was a nun when they met. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Which is a whole fucking thing. And they broke their vows to get married. Whoa. Um, and like have kids. Yeah. Oh, Wait that a was second. my cat. He... <laughs> Wait, that was who? That was yeah. a cat? Yeah, my cat, he like gets super pissed if I don't give him enough attention. And right now he's knocking all my mail off of the shelf. So that's what's happening. So hold on. Yeah. Yes. Your father is a Catholic priest. Your mother is a yeah. nun. Yeah. They break their vows, reject yeah. the chastity, reject the the yoke of limitations that religion places upon them. Get together. This is probably very taboo. I would imagine that yeah. their families and their communities react with shock. I imagine this couldn't have been easy for them. You are the product of that love. They must be aghast when you wind up falling into a what sounds like an arguably even more sort of fervent, I don't want to say, cult, I'll say the word cult-ish. Say it, say well, it, cult-ish. very cult-ish. That's definitely and, and, a word I'd describe it, yeah. And let me say something too and draw a line and say I don't know enough. I don't know any specifics enough to call it a cult. But what I can say is, cultish is an adjective. I'm not putting the noun of cult on it. I don't know. You know better than sure. I do. But more cultish devotion, at least, falling into a deeper religious society. Your parents. This must have been a full circle for them. That must have been. They must have felt whiplash. Um. Okay. So. Yes, and it's a little more layered than that because um, my parents ended up getting divorced when I was like nine because my dad is gay. So there's there's that whole layer too. So then there was this like rejection of the church for both of them because of their beliefs on like the Catholic church with gay people and hell and all that. Um, and so it's like on one hand, they were disappointed that I was getting involved in something so extreme. And they did, like even before I got pregnant, they were uh, they were like, Hey, this is, this is weird. Like this, it's very insular. Like they, I, I feel like this is weird. And I'm like, it's not a cult. They just love, it's just like so many people loving each other and like, what I can love Jesus, like that kind of thing. But they did try and warn me cause they, they were able to see those signs well before I could obviously. Um, and yeah, so that, I mean, but that is kind of like their whole thing. And I can't say so much about how their families reacted, uh, to their breaking their vows, but I know that like for my dad, you know, he was trying not to be gay. And so he thought if he, you know, devoted his life to God and lived a, around a whole bunch of other men who probably are struggling <laughs> with the same uh, situation that it might fix him. And he learned very quickly that it did not uh, cure him of being gay. In fact, it made it more difficult for him. Uh, and my mom wanted to like devote her life to God and like solitude and like service, but she like desperately wanted kids. And so like in this weird way, I feel like they came together for the perfect reason because he's trying to figure his life out. She really 
isn't interested in being married. She's don't with kids. And then he's gay. They get divorced. She never remarried, had a kid. My dad remarried and lives on a ranch in Texas with his husband. And, and yeah, it, that's the whole thing. That's a hell of an origin story you got. Yeah, it's so crazy. But so, yeah, so like, um, well, like whenever my dad came out and this is all will come back around to this other church thing. It's like, I am so proud of my mom looking back because my dad like moved away, like across this country for work. And this is before I knew they were getting divorced. I just thought, Oh, he has to go to work somewhere else. I'm, I'm eight, nine years old. And, um, during that time, it was a couple years before we learned he was gay. My mom, like, would have friends over who were gay and they would be like, Oh yeah. Like, here's my boyfriend. Here's my partner. And we'd have gay people over dinner. I'm like, wow, mom's got like a whole bunch of new friends. Like, but it wasn't like weird. It was just like, these are mom's friends. And, um, whenever like I started learning in Catholic school about homosexuality being a sin and hell and everything. And before I even knew my dad was gay, my mom was like, you know what? I don't really like, I don't think that is necessarily true. We don't have to go to mass anymore. If, if you don't want. And she like almost was like preparing us to learn that our, cause she knew, she knew before us. And so I'm just really proud that like through all of that, she never blamed my dad. Cause it would have been very easy to be like, see, he's going to hell, you know, but she didn't. Mm-hmm. And I think that was like super cool of her. Yeah. When you said, I believe the quote you said was, it's a little more layered than that. That was, that was a severe understatement. It was a lot more alert than that. Uh, a lot of layers. Cool. Yeah. 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 Layer That's upon layer. Thing. Layer upon layer. So you've got this. Yes. You've got this origin story. You wind up yeah. back in an ultra religious setting. You, yeah. It sounds like you're only dating a few months, another teenager, pregnant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have to imagine you feel like you're in over your head. Oh my God. So over my head. Like it, because one, like he was the first person I ever had sex with. Um, and in a, yeah, cause you said you went to Catholic school. I don't know about your sex ed there, but for us, it was like abstinence only, like, you know, and my mom did give us a rundown of like how condoms work. And these are, different ways that people have sex like and sex is fine if you love somebody the end like but I didn't know like what it would feel like or you know like anything like that and so there of course was a lot of curiosity and he was very sexually uh motivated as a teenage boy would be and it just was like weird shit that I didn't know that like that this wasn't what sex was like and I don't I don't know. Like, he's just, I feel like he, like, wanted to experiment on me sexually. Like, it was weird. Like, I don't don't even know where to go with that. Let's pause there. Because we've already heard a lot of fascinating yet somewhat concerning stuff. And the the phrase he wanted to experiment on me, very concerning in its own right. We're going to find out what that means. And and we're going to hear a whole lot more when we get back. Thanks to our advertisers who help us bring stories like this to the world. Now let's get back to the phone call. It just was like weird shit that I didn't know that like, that this wasn't what sex was. Like, I don't know. Like he's just, I feel like he like wanted to experiment on me sexually. Like it was weird. I don't, I don't even know where to go with that. It doesn't sound pleasant. <laughs> I'll, no. I'll, I'll also say I did not go to Catholic school. I did, oh, okay. I did grow up in a very Catholic family where my uh, parents met at the Catholic school where my dad's mom was a teacher and where my Irish immigrant grandparents on my mom's side went to church multiple days a week and everything like that. So I was very defined by Catholicism and I was confirmed and did Sunday school and, and equally had a lot of the, the Catholic, the Catholic uh, cloud over sex ed and, even in my public school, though, I swear I remember this. Either I heard wrong or they just told us this because they didn't want kids fooling around. I remember being told in sex ed that um, 
that you could get a girl pregnant if she performed oral sex on you. I was told that at some wow. point. So, and I, I believed that for years anyway. Wow. That's a side note. So yeah, sex ed in my generation, not great. Catholicism didn't help. So yeah, this kid, he's a PK. He's, yeah. he's a golden boy. He's experimenting. You think it's love. You look back now as an adult, you go, whoa, this kid had some, I don't know if you'd say kinks or some things, yeah, things he wanted to Yeah, I think definitely like areas out. that he wanted to explore. And, uh, and you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I was a teenager. How, do, how can I rationalize what I was thinking then? Because I wasn't, you know, I was, you know, just lost on my, uh, you know, on my, in my own life. And, you know, finding someone who wanted to like pay attention to me and, you know, spend time with me. It felt good. That part did feel good, you know? And now you have um, the baby, you commit yes. to the marriage. Yeah. How? Because so you said this whole thing was about navigating the courts and stuff. So this is all just the very necessary backstory. Yeah, so, this is just the very beginning. So yeah. um, just to give you like a sense of like how wackadoodle being married to like someone so involved in the church was it, this is going to sound like how the hell did this happen but it's just like that analogy of like the frog in boiling water that they tell you about abuse like that's exactly how this situation is okay um so uh, during our marriage he found this program it's one of those like you go away for a weekend and they like super intense therapy and you come out a changed person and he got like super into it, but it was definitely just an extension of this like hyperzealous religious thinking. Um, but he met a woman there, um, who we were, I guess I was like 18 and he was, you know, maybe 20 at the time and she was in her thirties. And so he'd go away to these things on the weekend and I'd be home with the kids. Oh, cause oh, no, we just had this on at that point. But, um, he met this woman who was older than him who said that she had disassociative identity disorder, formerly known as uh, multiple personalities, I guess it was. And um, he felt like God was telling him, and this is like a big thing, like God's telling me this, God's telling me that, like whatever, that God was telling him that he's been chosen to heal her of this um, disorder. And so he kind of like takes this woman under his wing and is like super stoked about this new like God project that he's got. Right. And she was in our lives for like two years. I mean, she was like six hours away, but she'd come down here. We would go up there. And, um, during that time I got pregnant with our daughter and, Oh God, there's just so many. Okay. He would like try to cure her by, doing phone sex with her to like force one of the personalities out of her or he would like tie her down like when she comes to visit he'd like tie her to the couch and make her eat hot sauce because like god told him to and i'm pregnant 19 years old with our second kid trying to keep our son out of like this crazy screaming that's going on in the back room feeling super weird about it and i told um like his brother's wife, uh, my ex-husband's brother's wife, I was telling her about it and she's a social worker. And she's like, this is not okay. And she like was trying to like get more information and held an intervention for us about how this is not okay. But and no, God said, God said, like this is what we do. And so it got to a point where like she said she had a therapist, you know, back in her home city uh, that was like saying that this behavior was okay that he like signs off on it and I'm like this is weird because at the same time I was in college and I like, took a psychology class and I'm like holy shit all like oh my god there's financial abuse and spousal abuse and sexual abuse like all these different things and and I am like this is exactly what's happening around me right now and um so then she she like gives us the email for this therapist and he starts corresponding with my then husband about all the different ways that oh, yes, you're doing God's work. This is helping her heal. Yeah, you should try hitting her with a stick, da, da, da. And I'm like, this is super fucking weird. And so one, one night she came down to visit and he like took her to the backyard because she wasn't cured yet of her 
you know, identity disorder. And he took her in the backyard so she could select her own stick for him to like beat her with. And I am just like, this is not okay. And I'm like, nine months pregnant. I don't know what to do. Like, uh, so I go to the internet and I like research this therapist and he is specialized in, in this treatment and legit website. Uh, this is also in 2005 when like Googling things was a little bit more difficult, but the email that it had on his website was different than the email that we had been corresponding with. And so I looked back at all this stuff and like, you know how, when you're typing, you just fumble fingers out of habit and you consistently misspell the same word and you have to keep autocorrecting it because that's just that you have it. Well, she would do that in her emails, misspell a word like that would be T-A-H-T and that would be like T-E-H, like things like that. And the, the therapist, quote unquote, was doing the same thing. And I'm like, she's totally like doing like some kind of sadomasochist bullshit. And like convincing, like she was pretending to be her own therapist and then like having phone sex with my husband oh, about like gerbils in her vagina. Like I walk in and be like, did that gerbil in your vagina? I'm like, what are you talking about? It was weird. So this was woman was posing weird. as a therapist to convince you all that a necessary treatment was for her to come to your house and be tied up and force-fed hot sauce and beat with sticks by a a pastor's son who was over a decade younger than her? Yeah. Yep, that's exactly what I'm saying. Oh, and she also wanted to call us mom and dad. Yo. Which is super weird. And I was like, not cool with that. But he was all about it. Like, yeah, you can call me dad. And I'm like, she, no, we have her son. I'm about to have another kid. And I wasn't going to find out if it was going to be a boy or a girl. And she, because I was like not on board with the whole mom thing. And so she really didn't like me and said that like, oh, if that baby's, a, and she tells this to my ex, if that baby ends up being a girl, one of my personalities is going to kill it because I want to be your only daughter. And I'm like, nope, nope. She is not, uh-uh, not coming to our house anymore. But he was so adamant about like, God's mission. And so then when I, fin- I finally had the evidence to show him that I was right because I emailed the actual email address of this therapist. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, this is weird. And he emailed, it was like 11 at night. He emailed back right away. This is not okay. This is abusive behavior. You need to stop or I'm going to call the police. And I'm like, what? And so I was right. And I'm just like, you're an idiot. And then he's so embarrassed that he misheard the word of God that like he never wanted to talk about it again and i'm like so that's what kind of and it was stuff like that all the time all the time so that's just one extreme example that's one of and i say this with total respect that's one of the most bizarre stories i've ever heard and i'm me i'm me (laughs) this is what i do he talks to strangers all the time i have spent many 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 years between this and my old TV show, Talking to Strangers, <laughs> many of them often will tell me extreme stories that is hands down by far one of the most head-spinning and confusing things I've ever been told. So kudos to you, I guess. And also, I'm <laughs> so, you. so sorry that you had to live through that. Oh, yeah. Thank you. And And it's okay. And I, you know... I'm really fortunate that my parents, you know, whatever they went through with religion, they got to a point of, hey, let's trust our rational brains. How about that? You know, like, let's trust science. Let's trust our gut. Let's trust our brains and not be told what to do. And so that kind of always has been in the back of my head about like, let's act like Jesus. Let's act in a loving way. But maybe, you know, let's you know, add a little healthy questioning into like uh, some things, you know? Now I have to ask this, and I say this with, with total respect, but I bet it comes up, especially because when you're dealing with the courts and it sounds like that's been a process that's been tangled up forever. Yeah. Um, when you recount these stories, both in that context and to people in your life, there have to be people who think you're making this up. Oh, A hundred percent. And this is, I, okay. 
this is where being a victim of gaslighting maybe is a superpower because I am so used to people telling me I'm wrong. And mostly like my cousin or people in the church, like I'm misremembering things. This, you know, that didn't happen. And I think just through the whole marriage, everything, I like documented everything. I saved everything because I was so afraid that like, nobody's going to believe me. Nobody's going to believe me. So I printed out emails. I, and I just, I didn't know why at the time I was like, this is important. I need to print this out. So I have proof. (laughs) So I think it's pretty clear, you know, and, and based on the timeline of your kids' ages, it sounds like even after all this nonsense, you stuck with the marriage a couple of years more. Yeah. So it, it's a breaking point. What's the breaking point that gets you does. out of this one? God, there's like all these little things, but I'll tell you the the one moment. It's going to seem super insignificant compared to that. Like. Yeah, but, I, okay, I feel have- like if the if the breaking point isn't when your husband's tying a woman up and pouring hot sauce into her mouth and then talking to her about right. the gerbils in her vagina, if that's not the breaking point. What is? What is? I just took a sip of water. I almost spit it through my mouth. <laughs> right. Um, so, uh, oh, I should also note, like his dad being a pastor of that church, like also what what is a lawyer. Uh, but for like property law and stuff. So they're uh, very wealthy. They're a very wealthy family. A lot of influence in the community. Like, what? yeah, it's a, it's a whole thing. So uh, we got, we had this really beautiful home. It was fucking gorgeous. Like the bedroom and bathroom master suite. It looked like a hotel. It was all one room with like a fireplace between the tub and the, and the bed and French doors opening out to this gigantic pool, diving board, swim up bar, overflowing hot tub. And I'm freaking 21 years old being married to this rich entitled kid. And he wanted, you know, he was like, you stay home, take care of the kids, homeschool the kids, stay at home mom. And I'm like, fucking right. This is sweet. So like, so th- that's one reason why I think it like lasted. And also we had good times in between. I don't mean to say like everything was bad. Um, but it was, so we had this beautiful home and I was like raised, if you break something, you fix it because we can't afford to buy another one. So that's it. Like you have what you have. You're not getting another whatever. And uh, he was uh, going to mow the yard and I had to like fill up the pool with water. So I had the hose like running and I went inside to make dinner and I was like, Hey, before you get to that section, remember to pull the hose up because you can't really see it through the grass. Cause I don't want you to roll over it. And he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. No, he fucking doesn't do it. And he rolled over the fucking hose and of course tears the hose apart. And then he just like goes to the store and gets another, even more expensive hose. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Oh, because that's another thing. He had me like on a budget. Like I w- he only let me spend so much money per week and stuff, but then he's going to go buy an $80 hose when he just ruined it. Like he had no regard for our things. And that was the breaking point for me of like, that's what really made me think this is not the life I want. And I remember sitting on the edge of the pool one day with my feet in the water, just listening to the Beatles and can't buy me love came on. And I was thinking of all the times, like when we would get in a fight or like, if he fucked up, he would like throw money at me or buy me shit. Um, Like, okay, here's a weird fucked up thing. Like he had this thing about like doing sex to me, like in the middle of the night, like while I'm sleeping and I'd wake up and be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, but I'm like, I'm the wife, like, this is what we do. And then in that psychology class, I learned about like spousal rape and you could be raped even uh, if you're married. And I told him that. And then he felt so guilty because he's like, you're right. I am raping you. So then he would still do it, but he would leave me money on the dresser in the morning because that, that alleviated his, his guilt. Like it's fucked up. Oh my God. Yeah. And yet it was the hose. It was the hose. And it was just like, yeah, it was the hose. I, and uh, listening to Can't Buy Me Love while looking at this beautiful home, 
great kid, just so unhappy and knowing that I needed out. Um, but I had to be a little strategic about it, you know, because I was a stay-at-home mom. I didn't have a job. I was in school. He didn't want me to like go to college. Um, because, you know, time with the kids and da, da, da. So I ended up taking seven years to finish my undergrad so that I could like go part time and like balance all of these things. And so then I finally got my degree in December of 2009 and we were separated within the next year. What was your degree in? Uh, performing arts. Nice. Yeah. Well, I started in architecture, but I hated drafting. And then I saw a girl with tap shoes and I was like, oh, cool. She's like, yeah, I was just at a tap class like at this other building. I was like, what? You can take a tap class? She's like, yeah, they have people who like major in dance. I like packed up my drafting table and I dropped all my architecture classes. <laughs> I went in and rolled in dance. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> now, end of 2009, you get your degree. Yeah. You're out of there. This starts a battle in the courts that's still going on today. Yeah. My big so, question rooted in fear, first of all, is where do the kids wind up? So we do 50-50, like, you know, every other week. Um, and just to, like, ease anybody's concerns, um, as far as I know, there's no, like, child abuse or anything, like, related to my kids. So, like, that's not necessarily where this is going. But, um, but... Yeah, it was just, it was really, in the beginning, it was so strange because he didn't want a divorce, like his, his image in the church, because at this time he wasn't a pastor yet. He worked in IT. Um, he just didn't know what people would think and this and that. But then like, and I had stopped going to the church probably two years before we got divorced. I was like, this is too wacky for me. Like, we do home group and people would be coming over and wailing and the Holy spirit. And I'm like, this is just weird. And I'm just like, go do that somewhere else. I'll stay home with the kids. Like, I don't, whatever. So suddenly the, okay. The new pastor, his dad sits down, this other pastor guy comes in and he had five kids. Um, and his daughter is about, was about our age. And she was also married, had two boys and she was getting divorced. Now, she and I used to be like friends back when I was in the church. But then suddenly she's getting divorced. And now my then husband was like, yeah, okay, I'm ready to get divorced. And I'm like, hmm, interesting timing, but whatever. So that all happened. Um, and he was like promising me that like everything's be fine. Oh, just don't take my inheritance from this or don't take my royalties from that. And oh, of course, we'll be peaceful. Of course, like, trust me, I'll never like leave you high and dry, but you got to be the one to move out because I'll be too embarrassed. And uh, long story short, he essentially like tricked me legally to like have nothing by the time I left, like by the time the year waiting period was over, like through like weird legal loophole where like, if I vacate the property, once the year is over, I'm not allowed to take anything with me that I didn't originally take before we filed. So, and I did vacate his property, but only for like three weeks because he, he was like, oh, this is too much for me to keep clean. Can you move back in? Because we were trying to sell the house. Can you move back in? And I'll find somewhere else to live. I was like, cool. So basically the whole year of the separation, I was in the house. But because those three weeks, when the day I was moving out, I get an email from my attorney being like, hey, guess what? He got you. You can't take anything. Like no bed, no furniture, no um, essentially I could take my clothes and my jewelry. I couldn't even take the beds for the kids clothes for the, like nothing. And, and that was like, that pissed me off because he fucking tricked me legally. <laughs> yeah. I try to try to stay focused in the course of the calls themselves. But now that we're pausing, I'm mean, saying hearing about this, the trickery. And maybe I should have started shouting about that, but I also knew there's a lot of story to be told and there still is. We'll hear the rest of it when we get back. Thanks to everybody who advertises on the show. You're the reason that the show exists. Now let's finish off this phone call. And that was like, that pissed me off because he fucking tricked me legally. <laughs> and, but the good news is I had um, 
a good friend, actually a former professor who um, I still remain really good friends with to this day. And he went through like a crazy divorce, you know, way back when. And he like, you know, came down and like helped me buy a bed and furniture. And, and that was like really, really great. So I wasn't, I wasn't like completely destitute, but you know, um, and I, oh, I did get a job teaching at this point. So I was able to like make money and, you know, get back on my feet. Um, so, okay. So then blah, blah, blah. He ends up marrying the pastor's daughter and they have two kids of their own. And all of this, all of this comes together because we went to court the first time. And, um, one of my big issues was that when they were engaged, I like called my daughter who was like four or five at the time. And she was like, Hey mom, I mean, mommy, I mean, and she like whispers and said, what am I supposed to call her? And she's like, mom. And I was like, wait, what was that about? Like, you can call me mom or mommy. She's like, well, I have to call so-and-so mom, but I could call you mommy. And I'm like, Oh hell no, that is not okay. Like you don't just like roll in. It's not like I'm dead. It's not like I abandoned my kids. Like you can't just like roll in and have them call you mom. Like that seems weird. Right? Like I'm not, like, that's weird. Yeah. Well, they certainly can't start dictating what your daughter calls you. You know, if your daughter develops a close relationship with this person and that seems to make sense to your daughter, fine. But it feels very strange for them to go, here's what you'll call your, here's what you'll call this new person and here's what you'll call your mom moving forward. That, that, that feels very, very manipulative. Oh, super, super manipulative. And, um, and we even had it in our divorce thing that they're not allowed to call a step parent any like form of the word mom or mommy or dad or daddy, you know, both ways. And they were doing this and I'm like, what the heck? But then they settled on um, the Hebrew word for mother because that's what Jesus would have called his mom. So that's what they um, call their stepmom. It's just, it's just weird. But uh, okay, so we go through court the first time and he just drags out the process till I run out of money and I end up having to like not move forward with it and just like dealing with the terms that we originally had and I felt like super defeated because I mean that's that was his whole strategy, right? Run me out of money. And he knows how to do it legally because his dad is like there in his corner, knows the laws, you know. So I eventually kind of just like resigned to say like, look, because I was in therapy, like let's just make the best of it. You don't want to spend your whole life in court, like whatever. Spend your energy raising your kids. So that's where I focus my energy. And things go back and forth. Um until okay this is where it gets crazy and like the the big court and the parental alienation stuff comes out okay this is 2018 so like pre-pandemic times if you could believe it um my son who was 17 years old at the time asked to go to the gym with two of his friends from church which was a big deal because he wasn't allowed to hang out with his church friends while he was at my house like his dad would like dictate what he can and can't do while they're here, which I kept trying to be like, no, you can like hang out with your church friends at my house. It's okay. You can hang out with your school friends at dad's house, like whatever. And so we asked to go to the gym and I was like, oh my God, this is a big deal. Like, yes, go. I would have fun. So he comes back and he like, wouldn't look at me in the eye. He's like, hey, I'm back. And you know, he's 17. He's whatever, teenage boy, but it was just off. And I'm like, what's going on? Oh, nothing. So then I just kept asking more questions and I was like, well, who is that person? Like, I know that person, but who's this other person? He's like, oh, just a friend from church. And I was like, yeah, but like, how old is he? He's like, oh, I don't know. He's like one of dad's friends. And I'm like, so it was like an adult. He's like, yeah, but he's like older, like grandpa, whoever's age. And I'm like, wait, so you went to the gym with this older man and another teenage boy? And he's like, yeah, but it's like not a big deal. And then we got smoothies and I'm like, I don't know. It's just weird that like this old man, like he's a 64 year old man, like didn't ask me to take you to the gym. Like that seems strange. And he's like, Oh, but it's not a big deal. He like takes us to the movies like all the time. And I'm like, so just, Ooh, I don't know. It just boy. felt super weird to me. So I kind of was like, okay. I just kind of gave them the talk about like, this is what grooming behavior looks like. Just be aware, you know, because you know, maybe, maybe it's fine, but you know, sometimes, and I'm not saying this man is a bad guy, but like, 
what if he's targeting your little sister and he's trying to get close to you so that she trusts him? And, you know, it's just, it could be a slippery slope to just, here's the information, be aware of it, no big deal. Cool. So, so now we're in 2019 and my son's birthday is in uh, February. And it's the end of January and he's about to turn 18 in like a couple weeks. And he's like, hey, mom, I just want to let you know, um, when I turn 18, I'm going to be moving out. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, I just, I want to see if you have that because I know it's like big news. I was like, well, are you going to live with your daddy? What, what is this? He was, no, I'm going to live with this old man. And he said his name. And I was like, oh, like hell you are. And he goes, I'll be 18. You can't tell me what to do. And I am like shocked. Like in the middle of his spring year of his senior year, he's going to like uproot and move in with this old man. Like, and I'm like, what? Uh, so I had a few sick days left. So I took my sick days and I like researched the fuck out of this dude. And I learned so much about the value of public record search that it is amazing. It, it, it's just amazing the, the amount of knowledge that we could find in public record that I had no idea. So I ended up going to the police station and being like, Hey, this is the weird thing about this dude. And they like look him up and they're like, mm, he's kind of bounced around the U S like it's not illegal to be a creep, but if there's something more, like if he's supposed to register, then if you find something, come back. So I like went into full blown investigator mode. And I found that, um, in the state of Florida where he lived like five years prior to moving, uh, to where I live, he was charged, but not convicted, of uh, sexual assault and battery and lewd and lascivious behavior on a juvenile. And um, so I brought that to the sex crimes detective in my area. And I'm like, can you find out more about this? And so he looked into it and he's like, here's the deal. Like, just because he wasn't convicted doesn't mean he's innocent. It could be because the victim didn't show up. The um, There wasn't enough physical evidence. They couldn't get a prosecute. Like, so just, you know, be on high alert. And the funniest thing, he was like, I wouldn't play molester roulette if it was my kid. And I just thought that was funny in that time, molester roulette. <sighs> Ooh, and so I'm like freaking the fuck out. And I end up like having to, I ended up going on like emergency, not emergency, but temporary medical leave from my job because I was like, this, it was a time crunch because if I could find something on this man, and get it into the courts before my son turned 18, then my hope was that this protection order, it may expire when my son turns 18, but he would have to go to the courts himself to get it reversed. And maybe somewhere along the line, somebody could talk sense to him. And maybe that protection order would like circle around to also protect my daughter from like going over to this man. And so I was learning everything I could about the court system. By the way, am I like going in too hard too soon? No, I do mean, I need we to pause. For we only have eleven. Or... We have eleven minutes left. <gasps> we don't know how this ends. Holy shit! Oh my god, that's amazing. Okay, so I'm like trying to navigate this court system, and um, and it's it's very tricky. It's just like they don't make it easy for people to understand what to do because I'm trying to go pro se which means doing it on your own, which I didn't even know before this. And they don't answer questions. You don't know where to go. And I have so many privileges. I'm employed where I can take time off of work. I have a vehicle because the bar association where you go to get the forms is across town from the court. I have a vehicle. I can't afford to put coins in the meter to bring stuff to the courts. I, you know, um, but even with all those privileges that I do have that I recognize, it is Im, impo impossible to do anything without a lawyer. It's impossible. So anyway, long story, not long story short, but whatever. Like I ended up having to get a lawyer. We, and it, this was in like 2019 and we didn't end up going to court until last November because he kept delaying it, not providing discovery documents all this stuff. Um, oh, and it was just, it was terrible. And like in the courts, the hearing court officer, like I'm talking about how 
he's teaching our kids that like my dad goes to hell because he's gay. And like when my dad got married, my son like refused to even attend virtually because he, you know, was told that even by attending, you're consenting to that. And, um, and she's like, well, how do they know that your dad is gay? And I'm like, well, I told them like, it's not a secret. And, he, and she says the hearing court officer of the court, well, if you didn't want your kids to know your dad is going to hell, why did you tell them he's gay? Like, like, and I knew right there that like, it was not going to go well for me. And, uh, he lied on the stand about his income. He gets like $20,000 a year from like some company that is also like owns like this other company that gives him money. And in order to like not pay more child support, he was like, Oh no, that's a gift. Even though he got 1099 and claimed it on his taxes as it support. Like he says it's a gift. Like that seems weird. Um, and then the wife, like his wife testified and like to her credit, she was honest and she like corroborated everything I was saying. Like, oh yeah, he does do IT. Oh yeah. Um, all these things. He does vote on his own salary because throughout the court thing, his salary kept getting lower and lower, but hers, cause she's also a pastor, kept getting higher and higher. So he was reducing his own salary, but like moving it to hers. Cause I can't, you know, that her money isn't taken into account. So he like, I don't know, was just lying and lying and lying. And oh, and it makes me so angry. And then like the, the tax laws with the church, the shit they get away with, they get $30,000 a year non-tax, like before taxes as a parsonage, but they like are so good at skirting the laws. Oh my God, I could go on and on. And honestly, any of your listeners are like forensic accountants or like specialize in nonprofit charity law. I would like want to talk to them because it's so deep. And I'm like, I know I have enough information to like do something because I saved everything. All, all of his tax returns, all of his bank statements, like, Oh God. Okay. How many minutes do we have left? Cause I don't want to like, we got ended on like a weird note. I mean, listen, I mean, no offense. It's you, you can't avoid weird notes. You've lived a life that's had some <laughs> weird notes. Okay. So let's not apologize for him. Gotta know seven minutes left. Did your son wind up living with this old perv or did you, he, did we dodge? No, that? he, Nope. He ended up moving in, um, the day before he turned 18, I finally had all my papers ready and I like got to the court because the ju the judges leave at like three and it was like two forty five, and I'm like next in line to bring my paperwork to the judge. And they're already familiar with me. And, and then there was a sewage leak and they had to evacuate the whole building and shut it down. And, and that was it. So is your kid still it. living with this guy? He still is. And, um, I will say, as far as I know, nothing weird has happened because here, oh, here's the fun part. This guy found out that I like got his record from Florida, like a 40 page document of all the stuff. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, and it was like bad. It was not good. And this kid, oh my God, it was not good. Well, he found out that I like had this and instead of calling me to be like, Hey, what's up? Like, I'm sorry. I didn't know this was going to be a big deal. No, no. Instead of doing that, he tries to sue me for libel. That's what he does. This old man. And I call his attorney. I'm like, I'm sorry. Everything I said was in public record. And the attorney was like, oh, well, then never mind. Goodbye. Ugh. But yeah, he's still living there. But I think that even if like he had bad intentions, this man, I think I caused enough of a stink for him to know, like, not this kid. Not, you know, stay, stay away from that one. The mama's going to be all up in it, you know? And let me ask you this, because you've talked about this idea that your parents, I forget the exact phrase you use, parental... Um, Alienation syndrome. So this sounds to yes. me like, like your kids have been told certain things about you to make them wary of you. Have you yes. filled them in on, on your experiences, or do you try to bite your tongue to not participate in that back and forth? So I bite my tongue a lot. Um, like when the kids would come to me and say that they want to smash all their Pokemons because there's demons or they can't listen to my music because I have demons in me instead of like interrogating them of like, what did your dad say? What did your dad say? Cause I don't want to be like that. I would go to their dad and be like, Hey, 
why are the kids telling me Pokemon has demons? Why are they telling me that I have portal demons on me? Like, what's up with that? He would say, well, if they have questions, they can ask me. And I'm like, I'm the one with questions. But then they would get in trouble with their dad for telling me things. And so like, it was like this cycle of, of little baby steps at a time to the point of like, you know, there's no, I haven't done anything so horrible to like warrant them wanting to move out the day they turn 18. Like, yeah, I'm not perfect, but that's part of it. And like, you know, and when your dad's a pastor and tells you he has a direct line of, of communication with God and God, oh, we have to pray for your mom because she's dealing with the spirit of Jezebel, you know, stuff like that. Like you're going to believe your dad and then you come and you feel unsafe with mom because you think there's demons everywhere. And no matter what I would do, it was, it was really rough. Good news though. My son now is in college and much like me, he took some philosophy courses and he came over one day and was like, mom, I need to know everything. And I had all my binders and stuff getting ready for court. And he started looking through and he found an email about Pokemon and he was 19 at the time. He fell to the floor and I was sitting on the floor. He fell into my lap, my adult son, and started sobbing to me because he was like, mom, I had no idea. Like you really were trying to protect us. And I didn't know. I didn't know that. I always thought that you were like, yelling at dad and anytime we talk to you that you would yell at him and he, he's looking at the proof at the proof in the email that I like really was trying to go to the source and my my poor baby and like the guilt that he's now dealing with about all the ways that he would do like his dad bidding and the time that's lost with me like the you know it's I hate that that's an outcome of this um parental alienation is now an adult child feels like they've been brainwashed or, or gaslit their whole life, which I believe that he has. And, uh, but I'm, I'm glad that he's coming around and, and open to seeing things differently. And we have two minutes, 40 seconds left. Where are things at with your daughter? She's, she's okay. I think she's seen a lot about what her brother's been through. And I think he, Oh my God, my son, our son is just like so protective of her and he's, you know, he's given her a good example. And I think she's beginning to question it sooner than he did. And, and, you know, it's, and it's, it's good. And I feel like, um, you know, we're, we're creating a new normal and we're just trying to have fun. But at the same time, I want to, you know, expose this church. And I hate that that's the thing about my life that, to tell you about because there's so many wonderful things but but that's a big one that has caused a lot of anxiety and yeah i mean there's so much and there's so much unresolved we're not going to get to it in less than two minutes so i guess i do just want to ask in broad strokes you wound up in this situation when you were super young it was you know again in in a way that is not judgmental and i think you trust me on that super super weird circumstances like by anyone's standards you're tangled up in it legally. You're tangled up in it um, because of of this the situations with your kids. Have you, in the time since that divorce, do you manage to step away far enough from this that you feel like you've been able to live some of the life that maybe you didn't get to um, when you were as young as in you? a way, in a small way. I feel like I, you know, I. Uh, I do lots of my own projects and things. I, and another part of it is like my ex would monitor my behavior through my kids. And so it's like, it's, I almost feel like there's always like a microscope on me. And so yes and no that like, I feel free, but I also feel like there's always someone like following me, waiting for me to fuck up, you know? Mm-hmm. And this isn't stuff I learned until after you know, because I never looked through my kids' phones and then I did and I'm like, holy shit, my son was like sending his dad like everything I was doing, who I was hanging out with, addresses of people that were my friends, like, because he thought that's what he had to do, you know? And yeah, so yes and no. And, you know, I am looking at a career change after my daughter graduates in two years and maybe I'll move somewhere else and I'll be 39 when she graduates and you know, I just, I want to give this the best shot I can. That's, our hour is up. 
yeah. I can say hands down, that was one of the most, I mean, I'm very proud of Beautiful Anonymous, and we've had a lot of calls that have deep meaning to me. This one had as much meat on its bones, maybe more than any other, and uh, I can't believe where you came from, what you wound up in, what you're still fighting your way through, and I'm, I'm just, I'm rooting for you so hard, and I'm rooting for your kids so hard, and I really, uh, I really, I really... I really hope that these kids land on their feet and then, you know, 39, you're still young enough that you still have a lot of time to explore who you are and figure that out. And, and I feel like that's something that's long overdue and yeah, I'm rooting for it. Thank you. Yeah, this is, this is really great. And um, one final note, I feel like, I feel like you are the Mr. Rogers that we need. Well, that's awful nice. Cause yeah. he did a lot of good, so I'll take that. He did, and I feel like you 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 put things in a way that people can make sense of it, and and I I feel like you've got that same kind kind spirit and uh, compassion and love for people, and and thank you for what you do, and all all your kooky and zany projects included, everything. Well, thank you for participating in this one and in that <laughs> one, and and honestly, I. Uh, We've talked a, f- a few times on the phone and other kinds. I had no idea about any of this, and it, it, it's it's draw dropping. And I really, it's one of those things where you go, I sit here, you go, how do you end this call? Because I want to go. I can't wait for the day this is over. But it sounds like a thing that this isn't the type of thing that's over. It's just the type of thing that you learn how to regulate and yeah, mitigate the impact on your life moving forward because it's been so profound thus far and. Like I said, I really, uh, I'm rooting so hard for your kids. And then I really, really, really hope that you have a stretch of life where this is not one of the things that's defining it because you deserve that. Yeah, thank you. And and I will, it'll come. I feel, I feel a lot of hope and yeah, just navigating it one day at a time, you know? Call it. Thank you again for trusting me with your story. And my head is spinning. My head is spinning. You've been through so much. You're still so young. Man, I just want everyone to land on their feet. Still got a lot of life left, and maybe it won't be defined by this. Thanks again for calling. Thank you to our producer, Anita Flores. Thank you to our engineer, Jared O'Connell, as well as Marcus Hom. Our theme song is by Shell Shag. Go to chrisgeth.com if you want to know more about me my touring dates and and live beautiful anonymous gigs hey wherever you're listening there's a button that says some version of subscribe favorite follow really really helps us when you hit that button find our latest merch at podswag.com got mugs shirts posters a lot more you can find ad free episodes beautiful anonymous as well as a ton of other shows over at stitcher premium use promo code stories for a one month free trial at stitcher.com slash premium